Welcome to Exposed, an exclusive look behind the curtain of corporate greed with the Warnings Doctor, Dr. Jerry Goldhaber. Learn about what every consumer desperately needs to know in order to avoid serious injury and even death. You'll hear about ways in which consumers, government regulators, and corporations must interact to keep you and your loved one safe. This is Dr. Jerry Goldhaber, the Warnings Doctor, with another episode of Exposed, an exclusive look behind the curtain of corporate greed. And today I want to be talking to you about amusement parks and water theme parks. Why? Because of the obvious. It's summertime throughout the United States, and during the summer, our children particularly enjoy going to water parks and amusement parks. My theme today is very simple. These amusement parks may not be all that amusing when you consider some of the safety risks that are involved. And let me tell you about some. A man was riding on a roller coaster in an amusement park that is part of a national chain, I'm sure most of you have heard of, but I won't mention, when his cell phone fell out of his pocket and landed in a restricted area of the park. Despite warning signs near the roller coaster that said, if you drop your phone, please see the attendant immediately and do not attempt to retrieve it yourself. And despite several warning signs on the fence, topped with barbed wire that blocked off the restricted area from the public and said, danger, restricted area, do not enter this area. You could be seriously injured or killed. Guess what? This man climbed the fence, cut the barbed wire, jumped over the fence, and began to look for his cell phone. Just as he found his cell phone located under the roller coaster's track, and just as he picked it up off the ground and stood up to go back to the fence, the coaster arrived. I'm going to let you fill in the rest in case young children are listening to this podcast. But you don't have to be a warnings expert to figure out whose fault this accident was and if a better, better set of warnings could have prevented this accident. I guess cell phones really are addictive, right? A couple of years before this incident, an obese man weighing over 300 pounds ignored several warning signs stating clearly that the ride, which is ironically another roller coaster, was not intended for anyone over 200 pounds. As he approached the coaster, the attendant noticed his size and simply asked him, did you read the warning sign? The man answered indignantly, yes, and the attendant let him on the ride. As you might imagine, the rider had a lot of difficulty putting on his safety belt, which promptly unsnapped just as the coaster was going down the steepest hill on the ride sending our overweight flyer, our overweight rider, flying. Again, I don't have to describe the details of his demise. Unlike our stubborn fence climber, this victim, who ignored several warning signs, could have and should have been stopped from riding the coaster by the attendant. Why not? Well, very simple. Most attendants at amusement park rides, especially during the summer, are teenagers working in a part-time capacity, typically without limit, with limited or no training and certainly no perceived authority, especially to an overweight man in his 40s. 
Nevertheless, it is their responsibility to assert their authority as the guardian of the gate, as it were, and refuse entry to anyone who does not physically meet the height, weight, and age requirements for a ride. When the attendant was interviewed after the incident I just described and asked why he didn't stop the obese customer from going on the coaster, he replied, I knew he shouldn't go on the ride because of his weight, but I didn't want to embarrass him and cause a scene in front of other patrons. So I just asked him if he saw the signs. Yes, my friends, the customer was wrong to try and go on the coaster, ignoring several weight restriction signs, not to mention his own common sense when he experienced extreme difficulty putting on his safety belt. Of course he was wrong, but this kind of response was definitely foreseeable to the park's managers and ride attendants alike. In other words, he's not going to be the first nor the last overweight customer or, for other reasons, uh, abusive customer to argue that he should get on a ride that he obviously shouldn't get on the ride. The customer was wrong. He ignored the weight restriction signs and he ignored his common sense, as I mentioned. But this was a foreseeable uh, response and should have been noticed and thought about in advance by even this teenager who was the ride attendant. When a hazard is foreseeable, as this one surely was, it is the responsibility of the park not only to post conspicuous warnings about the hazard, but, and this is the key, also to enforce the signs safety instructions. Given the choice, the attendant should have chosen embarrassing the customer over placing the customer at risk of death. I'll repeat that. What would you rather have happen to you? Would you rather be embarrassed or dead? I think you know the answer. Unlike the above two incidents where the patrons intentionally ignored the warnings, in the following incident, the patron couldn't understand the warnings. They were posted in English, and guess what? He only spoke Spanish. On the surface, one might assume that the park wasn't at fault because they might claim if they posted it in Spanish, maybe the next person spoke Chinese or Portuguese or French or so on. However, under closer inspection of the facts, you might understand why posting the warnings in Spanish is not just a good idea, it may be a life-saving idea that should be required, especially at national attractions. 41 million Americans speak Spanish, and only 57% of them understand English. That's over 2 million people who don't understand English whose primary language is Spanish. Spanish is second only to English as the language spoken most in the United States. And Spanish is the fastest growing language in the United States. Many corporations and government agencies regularly translate their warnings into Spanish. For example, airline warnings on TV monitors, airport warning signs, a host of consumer products, all translate their warnings into Spanish. And these facts should have convinced an amusement park to translate their warnings into Spanish, especially if their demographics show, and I'll repeat that statistic, over 20 million Americans only speak and understand Spanish. 
they do not understand English. And a great, a large number of their customers at amusement parks, particularly in California and Florida, where most of our largest amusement parks exist, only speak Spanish and are Hispanic background. The above incidents aren't alone. According to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, approximately 30,000 amusement park injuries result in a visit to an emergency room. This estimate includes both permanent and mobile parks. An industry trade group, the International Association of Amusement Parks, places the annual number of injuries at about 1,500, but that only includes data from permanent parks that don't move around the country. The truth is nobody really knows because there are no federal regulations for amusement parks. Let me repeat that, no federal regulations for amusement parks. It's mostly up to the states, many of which only require an annual inspection. And many of those states leave it up to the park itself to self-inspect. In other words, the park has to inspect itself and say, I'm okay, let's open up and uh, our rides to the public. The parks are responsible to report voluntarily if anybody gets injured. I'm not saying that there are sinister people running our parks, but there are many parks that fail to report the injuries as they occur. So the government really can't help us because they don't really know the size of the hazardous situation and they don't regulate the industry. So because there aren't requirements, until this industry is subjected to a set of national standards and codes and regulated at the federal level, so that all parks are required to meet a common set of standards and rules, including those that apply to safety warnings and instructions, it is up to each one of us to manage our own safety and that of our loved ones. And this has been a, a personal vendetta of mine as the warnings doctor, because I alone can't fix it. The amusement parks have to fix it. They have to get a sense of responsibility. Well, it's not just amusement parks. Water theme parks have the same problem. They have teenagers working the booths, working the rides, responsible for the safety of our children. I spend July at our beach house every year at Cape Cod. One summer, I took my son and his 12-year-old godson to a local inflatable water theme park, which features dozens of different ways to climb, swing, slide, jump, and land among a legion of supposedly safe, inflatable, pillow-like tubes. You get the picture. For one such challenging event, the participant climbs at a 90-degree angle up a ladder comprised of 50 steps, only to slide almost straight down a water-enhanced rubber inflatable tubing which dumps you into a sea of softer inflatables intended to soften your landing while you, with great difficulty, attempt to find your balance and climb out of the ride. What could possibly go wrong? A challenge is to climb several more steps to an awaiting attendant who hands you a rope attached to a zip line, which speeds you again down an, uh, to an unweight, an unweight, an awaiting wall of inflatables against which you crash and rebound, jumping into another ocean of even softer pillows, while another helpful attendant challenges you 
to speedily get up and jump out of the ride before another rider falls on you. A third example of inflatable challenges features a bucking bronco, which you mount and attempt to stay on while an attendant regulates the amount of bucking until you inevitably fall off the simulated horse, braced again by a pillow pool until you find your way out of the horse's path. The 18-year-old attendant who admitted to three months' experience, that's right, three months on the job, when I asked him how he decided to either increase or decrease the difficulty level for each participant, he confidently told me, I don't know, I just guess. I don't know, I just guess. What these three and most of the park's challenges share in common are the following violations of best practices and safety and warnings. First of all, most of the rides are staffed with teenage, high school, or young college-age students with limited experience, less than two months of training. Monitoring these challenges, these slides, these rides, and even less safety training, if any, if any. Most admit in a survey that has been done, admit that there is no safety training. And you can observe this by looking at their behavior and their responses to several of my own inquiries. Many, in fact, were not fluent in English or had thick accents, typically Eastern European. Number two, none of the attendants, none enforced any of the safety warnings that were posted. In fact, several signs were obstructed, and I mean by that actually covered over by towels and sheets, and most had the wrong warning signal words, small print with extreme amounts of information in obscure locations guaranteed to limit their conspicuousness and ultimate success in being read by anyone, especially the vast number of their customers who were teenagers themselves or preteens including many children in the seven to 10 year old range. When I pointed out these signs, uh, these signage issues to an attendant, he just smiled and told me, well, nobody would read the warnings anyway, and I don't make the rules. I just stand here at the ride. And by the way, I'm not paid to enforce these rules. Well, uh, the third thing I noticed was attendants were poorly trained on safety and warnings practices, as evidenced by the, the following behaviors I observed on just one ride. A zipline attendant failed to signal to his co-attendant that it was safe to allow a second zipline customer to begin her ride, resulting in the second person riding down before it was safe to do so and ultimately landing perilously close to the first zip liner, who was still trying to regain his balance after landing on the supposed pillows of safety. When I asked the attendant closest to the person who was still struggling to get up why he failed to signal to his coworker, he incorrectly, dishonestly tried to tell me he didn't see my signal. He didn't see my signal. I told him, despite me standing next to him, I didn't see the signal either. He sheepishly admitted, well, he should have known better. Well, on that, we both agree. He should have known better. My friends, before you take your children or grandchildren to one of these inflatable water parks, I think it would be best to take the time to review each ride and challenge yourself. Read every warning sign and explain the rules as carefully as you can to your own children. 
observe the attendant's behaviors, safety practices, and warnings, or as I'm telling you, the lack thereof, before you allow your children to enter any of these rides or challenges. Hold the attendants accountable to enforce their own safety rules. And if you don't expect the theme park to protect your children, if you expect that they'll, they'll protect your children, they can't or they won't. It's up to you. This is the warnings doctor telling you, be careful. Amusement parks and theme parks may not be that amusing at all. In fact, they may be downright dangerous. And if you thought this information was helpful to you, remember to subscribe to our podcast, Exposed, an exclusive look behind the curtain of corporate greed. And if you found this information interesting, remember I also have a YouTube channel, Jerry on YouTube, Jerry with a G on YouTube.com. That's Jerry with a G on YouTube.com. And all the information from my podcast and YouTube channel is derived in one way or another from my best-selling book, Murder Incorporated, Murder Incorporated, which was published last year and was named one of the top 100 books by uh, Kirkus Reviews, top 100 nonfiction books, and is available in hardback, paperback, digital Kindle versions, and now exclusively available in my audio book, exclusively available on iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. So remember, if you enjoyed this Murder Incorporated, How Unregulated Industry Kills or Injures Thousands of Americans Every Year is available to you. And by the way, and what you can do about it. Because remember, my friends, the more informed you are, the safer you'll be. This is Dr. Jerry Goldhaber, the Warnings Doctor. Thank you for listening to Exposed, an exclusive look behind the curtain of corporate greed with the Warnings Doctor, Dr. Jerry Goldhaber. Our podcast is where you can always find a new prescription to keep you safe in an ever-evolving and sometimes dangerous world. Remember, the more informed you are, the safer you will be.